Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research conducting interviews and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley, or check out the show notes of each episode. All right, guys. Hello, and welcome to episode number 198 of the restoring rapport podcast we are super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today as always this is a podcast about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions and guys we're almost at 200 episodes this has been an insane venture an insane wild ride that started back in september of 2020 and has continued on uh, to the present day on the 12th of november in the year 2023 as of the day this is being recorded could not be more excited to be approaching our 200th episode. I had a really special episode uh, for our 100th episode last a couple years ago. Uh, I did an episode on St. Nicholas. If you did not catch that uh, episode, be sure to go back and listen to it. We did a really special episode, Landon and I did, on St. Nicholas the Man, um, and, and just kind of one of his stories surrounding uh, him enabling people to kind of get married young. It was really, really in line with the subject of the show. Guys, if you're a young believer who knows that you're not designed to live alone, but that you're instead designed by your creator to uh, pursue the goal of marriage, then this show is for you. We ha- we throw content at you twice a week, every week. Uh, could not be more excited to do that. So reach out and let us know what you think of the content. If you're new here, reach out and say hello through the link in the show notes. You can send us a personalized audio voice message, giving your thanks, questions, comments, feedback, anything at all, giving your story. Uh, we'd love to hear anything at all that you would like to tell us, kind of how you found the show, anything at all. Uh, makes us feel super connected to you, and it makes the podcasting system two-way. It makes it a conversation instead of just me sitting here monologuing to you. Landon is not here today, so I'm going to be coming at you with a solo episode uh, with a video entitled The Boy Crisis, We Need More Men to Love and Be Loved. This video is by Warren Farrell, and I'm hoping that he's going to say, um, that he's going to kind of point out that men are designed for marriage. Uh, a couple of things, a couple of stats that I would give you guys on that are, uh, is an article by David Brooks entitled The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. And in that article, he points to research done by Kay Heimowitz saying that uh, married men um, are less likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Uh, they live longer than single men and um, they encounter less complications uh, in life. They're emotionally more healthy and all this stuff. So check out that article if you're interested. But guys really are, um, as, a, as a general rule, more healthy when they are married than when they are single for a number of reasons that we've detailed elsewhere. If you're interested in that topic, just search 
uh, men restoring rapport and all the episodes that we've done on men and marriage will come up uh, on whatever podcast platform that you use that you stream from. So without further ado, though, let's go ahead and get into this video. I've never reviewed Warren Farrell before, so this is going to be a first for me. I don't really know much about him. Uh, what's nice about doing these reviews is I get to kind of encounter a lot of people that I've never heard of before. So this is somebody totally new for me that I, and I hope that you will enjoy. If you've kind of heard, if you know a little bit about Warren Farrell, reach out and let me know kind of uh, some about him and because I'm really unfamiliar with him. Um, so it'll be good for me to kind of hear that. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. First, I want to start by thanking Jordan for the facilitating my ability to share this research with millions of boys who have, as a result, felt less alone because they knew this, they weren't just alone. Thank you. Um, ironically, my focus on boys and men's issues started with my focus on women's issues. Um, I served on the board of the National Organization for Women in, 19, in the early 70s. They asked me to form men's groups and boys groups, and as a result, that exposed me to men's issues, boys' issues, and my own issues. The, um, we'll look at the evidence for the boy crisis, the causes of it, and solutions. First, the evidence that I discovered when I did a decade of research for the boy crisis book, for example, suicide. When boys and girls are nine, it's equal. Between 10 and 14, it's twice as likely. I'm sorry, something happened there. When um, boys are nine, it's equal. When boys between 10 and 14, boys commit suicide twice as often. These slides are not working. They're, they should be automatically showing bars go up, but at any rate, um, um, boys between 15 and 19 commit suicide four times as often. There we go. And boys between 20 and 24 commit suicide five times as often as girls. In the UK, in one year, there were more deaths by suicide than in all wars since 1945 put together. There's a 700% increase in prison population since 1972. Prisons are basically centers for dad-deprived boys. In just nine, 90 years, the female to male life expectancy gap has grown more than 400%. The UN finds that boys have fallen behind girls in every one of the largest 70 developed nations, especially in reading and writing. By age 21, boys average 14,000 hours of gaming. It only takes about a third of that time to get a bachelor's degree. Men's bachelor's, percentage of bachelor's degrees have declined from 57% to 42% in the past 50 years. The implications for the future of families is when women are ready to have children, female college graduates are not looking for male college dropouts, or as women say, just one more mouth to feed, or marrying down. What are the causes? There are a lot of causes of the boy crisis, but more than any other, I found that the boy crisis resides where dads do not reside. So the question is, why has the family fallen apart 
and why have dads fallen out? As citizens of developed nations were able to survive, they wanted freedom. First, the freedom to be able to divorce, and children of divorce are often dad-deprived. They also wanted, moms wanted options. So moms developed three options, to work full-time, to have children full-time, to do some company. Okay, so that's kind of wraps up his diagnosis. I think he's moving into more talking about how we ended up here where we are, but um, definitely a troubling um, and sobering realization to just hear those statistics listed off about how men are, you know, more likely to commit suicide by so-and-so percentage, more likely to be incarcerated if they don't have a father, less likely to go to college now, uh, spend more time do doing gaming than, than college, all those things that he listed, um, which by the way, guys, nothing against gaming. I don't have anything against video games. I play uh, two video games myself um, during my free time. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do, I do think that a lot of times what happens with young men or sometimes what can happen with young men is our, is a video game can become, if we don't have a goal that we're striving for, if we don't have the motivation to uh, be doing hard things to improve ourselves, then what we do is we, um, it, video games are just easy for us to kind of lapse into and not do anything else with our time. And that's really the big danger of them. So if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not, um, you know, bettering yourself through hardship, if you're not, if you don't have the motivation to get off of your, you know, your, your couch and, and do something with your life, then I think that video games can become a danger because they don't require motivation. They just give you, you know, a, a, an instantaneous fulfillment of self gratification um, with with no with no hardship or or character development leading up to that moment. It's just it's really a uh, distraction tool. It it's a lot of you know video games require boys to make instant fl split second fast decisions um, without really giving them time to think about anything else, which is a brilliant coping mechanism as far as if they're not li they're living you know, a sad life or have a lot of hardship in their life, a lot of stress in their life, then video games are a, a complete, um, you know, way of decoupling themselves from that stressful life they're living. Um, so that's why I think a lot of, of boys play it. Um, but I would and again, there's nothing wrong with video games. They're a great hobby. They're a great way to spend time with your friends, especially uh, if you don't live in the, in the same area as them. They're a great time, a way of building a male sort of camaraderie in a community um, that you that you really, it's hard to do any other way other than through sports, which again is not possible if you don't see friends much or if they're not in your same geographical area. So there's lots of good to video games. Don't want to condemn those. And I also don't blame all the problems that boys are having on video games, which I'm going to be curious to see if he, this man, Warren Farrell, does that later in his video. I would definitely not do that. Uh, what I would say today is that men, my kind of my thesis of of my opinion on why the male crisis is the way it is, and I would be very curious to hear your your, your reasoning. So reach out, and let me know why you think males, in particular, are having a hard time. But kind of my thesis as to my hypothesis as to what's going on here is going to be <clears throat> that men have been the goal, the incentive, the motivation that got men moving and got them to choose a healthy life has been removed. And because that goal, that incentive, that motivation has been removed from men, they're making poor decisions um, because they're not, there's no goal, incentive, or motivation to do hard things, to better themselves, to have a healthy life. There's no incentive or goal or motivation to do that. And so men are simply taking the easy road, which lands them in, in the difficult situations they're finding themselves in now. You know, a lack of aim, a lack of purpose, 
a lack of vision and, uh, you know, just a lack of motion. They're kind of stagnantly, like he said, often just sitting, living under someone else's support, um, not, not contributing or giving anything that they, uh, you know, earn themselves. They're often just, you know, sitting and, and passively <clears throat> trying to distract themselves from the problems of their life. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. And so kind of that, that obviously begs the question of what is the goal or incentive and motivation that I think has been removed. And you probably could guess what I'm going to say. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, I'm going to say marriage and the goal of having a wife and children it has been removed as an aim, as a standard aim for men in this country. And what that has done <clears throat> when you remote remove, when you remove the goal of having a wife and children, uh, men are not as likely to pursue a career. They're not as likely to pursue a means of supporting themselves or another person. They're not li as likely to uh, begin making money. <clears throat> They're not as likely to embrace, um, you know, large projects like building a house or buying a car or uh, paying their own bills or supporting themselves. They're not as likely to do that again, because there is no motivation for them to do that. A lot of people try to give independence as the motivation for men to get off their butt and make something of themselves and support themselves. But independence is not a good motivator because it does not give the the re intrinsic reward that marriage and family does. Um, and and again, you might say, well, how do, what do you mean the the goal of marriage and family has been removed? Uh, and what I mean by that is it's a statistical fact that less than half of adults in this country, ages eighteen and older, are married. Uh, Forty nine percent of adults in this country, ages eighteen and older, are married. Married in 1960, it was 79% of adults ages 18 and older were married. And you might ask the question then, well, how did we, how does that happen? How, how, do, what's the expl explanation for that drop? And people began to um, criticize marriage. They began to uh, consider marriage nothing more than a piece of paper. They began to cohabit, cohabitate and uh, shack up and basically experience permanent dating with the opposite sex rather than cross the line and step into the commitment of a lifelong covenant. And what that did was um, it, it destabilized the romantic, romantic situation, first of all. But it also, when you remove the goal of marriage, all of those statistical benefits that I listed at the beginning of this video, men being less likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, likely to live longer, more uh, emotionally and mentally healthy, all those things go out the window. Because it turns out uh, cohabitation and shacking up and permanent dating do not produce the positive results that marriage does um, for, for reasons that I won't get into here. So. That's just a fact. Um, so because we've <clears throat> because we've removed that, because we've removed that goal, men are just experiencing these very, very serious problems and they're not incentivized or motiva motivated to improve the quality of their life because they have nobody to serve. Men are creatures of service and creatures of um, heroism. And what I mean by that is uh, we're designed to basically we're motivated by a hero complex. We're motivated by a service complex. If we are unable to bring value to those in our life, if we are unable to be useful to those in our life, <clears throat> our brain chemistry goes on a downward spiral. We do not feel good about ourselves. We do not feel uh, like our life is where we are living out our purpose that God has called us to live. We do not feel um, capable. And, and, and quite frankly, we're, we are, that is where a lot of our value comes from is in what we do for other people. Um, I would say women have more, you know, um, just existential value. Whereas, you know, just in, just in existing women have a beauty and a value to them, but men have a value. Their value is in more in what they do, a behavioral value, um, a, a value of what they're able to 
produce and do. And of course, I know all people have value. I'm not saying that, you know, men have no value if they're couch potatoes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there is something special about what a man can bring to the table when he's doing hard things to provide for other people and serve well in a community and raise children and provide and protect and nurture and love his wife to the best of his ability. That's where a lot of a man's worth uh, comes from. What, what do you, there's a great line by Stephen Schwartz in the Prince of Egypt. Um, how do you judge what a man is worth by what he builds or buys? Um, and, and that's, it's he's, the whole, the whole song in that it's, it's, Jet, it's Jethro of Midian singing to Moses and Zipporah uh, in the film, but he, he's the, throughout the song. It's just this reincurring theme of how do you judge what a man is worth? And he ultimately comes to the conclusion that you cannot look through an earthly lens. You have to look through the eyes of heaven. And what, 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 what's the measure of a good man in the eyes of heaven? Well, Jesus talks about men, um, you know, putting their family first. He talks about um, laying your life down for your friend. He talks about <clears throat> turning the other cheek to somebody who uh, wrongs you. These are, these are values that men often, when they are able to demonstrate them well, that is the mark of a high value man. Um, so th these are, but those things are hard guys. And if guys don't have the motivation to become those things, what we're going to find ourselves in is a situation where, you know, men have a lack of purpose. They're more suicidal. They're less likely to do hard things like college, which again, not saying everybody should go to college, but that's just an example. They're less likely to do hard things in the pursuit of bettering themselves. Um, and so that's kind of how I would say, that's kind of my summary of how we've ended up here. We've removed the goal of marriage. We've removed the motivation, the incentive for men to better themselves. And that again, that goal was marriage and family. That's what got men off their butt and still does get men off their butt to do hard things. There's nothing more um, rewarding for a man than having a wife and children. Uh, if you find something, let me know. But <laughs> I promise you, you're not going to because that's the way that God's designed us. I have never made a decision that was better for me outside of following Jesus than getting married. I really have not. And, and pursuing the goal of family. I haven't actually reached that, that point in my life yet. Lenny and I do not have any children. We're just, uh, you know, almost four months married tomorrow. Our four month anniversary is tomorrow on the day that this is being recorded. It's November uh, the 12th on November 13th. It'll be our four month anniversary. So <clears throat> brand new married couple. Uh, we're not in the stage of family yet, but again, there is nothing that incentivizes me more to serve and follow the calling of God in my life than having a wife and children. I can say that from personal experience as a man. That is definitely what gets me to do uh, hard things. Nothing else has been able to do that, guys. Nothing else has been able to do that. Um, and certainly not independence, which is what most people are trying to use to incentivize men. You can go out and do it if you have your own place. If you're pay paying your own bills, you can have your own space. You can make the rules. You can uh, do whatever you want with your, your time. You can do it. And all that doesn't work. Guys don't care about that. That's not enough of a reward in order to um, get them to to better themselves and do hard things. Again, because we get a lot of our reward through our service to other people and living a life of you know autonomy and independence is not you know conducive to a life of service. If you're not around anybody, if you're not supporting anybody, uh, if you're just living you know however you want, you know alone and paying your own bills, that's not a life of service. That's just a life of self gratification. So again, that's that's not enough to get me off your feet. So that's my diagnosis of why. Men are where they are. Let's see what this guy says, because he, he started off his argument saying that um, just a couple interesting things about how he originally was uh, discussing the problems that women faced, and it, it landed him in the position of seeing the problems that men faced. Let's kind of see what he means by that here. Of course, dads have three options, too. They can work full time. 
uh, work full time or uh, work full time. The, um, each year, 41% of mothers have children without being married. I don't want to make two caveats here. Few people work harder and are more overwhelmed than single moms. And when, and many boys raised by single moms do well. Clinton, Obama, Australia's current prime minister, Anthony Albanese, all were raised by single moms. I do want to add a clarifier here, though. He's, he, he said that to encourage single parents. But again, guys, it is a statistical fact that children are more likely to see, succeed if they are brought up in the context of a two-parent home with a mother and a father, a biological male and a biological female. In the context of a marriage, uh, children are more likely to succeed when they are brought up in that environment than any other environment. Now, there is a drop, or I'm sorry, there is a jump. So children who are brought up in a cohabiting home are still more likely to succeed than children brought up in a single parent home. Um, and again, not this, I, this is not slamming single parents. I could not be more, um, careful in saying that guys, I, I don't know how to say that any other way. I'm not slamming single parents. And when I'm saying this, I'm just trying to make it crystal clear that thinking you can go it alone is arrogant when it comes to parenthood. If you're actually going to think that's okay and think that the consequences, you know, of having children is not a big deal. Um, if your spouse leaves you, that is a big deal. And, and single parents will tell you that it is extremely hard to raise a child alone um, in, in just a number of ways, from childcare to, to having nobody to back you, um, to having you know difficulty doing things that you're not good at. Just there are lots of issues when, it's, when it comes to raising a child alone. So I do, wanna, I do wanna provide that caveat to what he's saying here. It is absolutely possible to raise your child you know, amazing as a single parent. And I'm not slamming people who find themselves in this, that situation, especially if it's through no fault of their own. I'm just saying that statistically, you are more likely to raise a healthy child if you're in the context of a, you know, male-female marriage. All right, guys, that is where we are going to wrap up this episode. If you enjoyed the content you heard in this episode, reach out and let me know what you thought of it through the link in the show notes. You can send me a personalized audio voice message giving me thanks, comments, questions, feedback, an alternate perspective, your story, anything at all. We would love to hear those. It makes us feel super connected to you guys as audience members, and it makes the podcasting system two-way. You can also follow the Restoring Report podcast on Instagram and Facebook if you're interested in the content we post there as well. So thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you next time.